0: The blind beggar could not be shaken. He had encountered God in Jesus Christ. John records what happened next. So, for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once. Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Cross Church once again. Beautiful Sunday morning. Welcome to Reverend Dan Murphy. I see him here from our head office, welcome you this morning. Thank you for being here. And Pastor Allen, he returns next Sunday. So we look forward to having him return. He'll be taking us back into the book of Acts, the series about the Holy Spirit at work through the apostles. Now, I just want to take a moment before I go any further to say how much I and I'm sure all of you really, really appreciated Pastor Joel and Pastor Andrew speaking these past two Sundays. Yes, let's, let's give them a, a round of applause show our appreciation for them. They really, really did a great job. I really appreciated both of them deeply, uh, listening to them explain God's word, walking us through this particular story in John 9, and really allowing the Holy Spirit to work through them, in them and through them, and, and teaching us and helping encourage us. So really appreciate both of you, and I look forward to hearing from both of you again in the near future. All right, as we conclude this story now in John chapter 9, we've been looking into it, we've been studying it and reflecting really on the amazing gift of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. How he seeks us out individually. Like the good shepherd, he's not content with just 99, right? He wants all 100, all 100 sheep back safely home, safely into his arms. You know, God is so full of grace and mercy and love for us, isn't he? And we have been separated from God because of the sin in our lives. And really, we're powerless, powerless to change, to please him on our own. And we have no way to save ourselves. But praise be to God that he doesn't leave us lost. He doesn't leave us broken. And this is the story that we find in John chapter 9. A blind man encounters Jesus, and his life is absolutely transformed. And so this morning, as believers who see and experience this transformation in our own lives the power of Jesus Christ working in us, and we see what he's done for us. We know that it's real. It's true. And like this man, we can have the boldness to proclaim the truth and be a witness in all situations we come across. We can stand firm in our faith. Amen? Amen. That's what I want to encourage us with this morning. Through this man's story, through a little bit about my own story, (laughs) And as you think about your story this morning, each of us can grow strong and we can stand firm in our faith. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, God says, you know, this is a word from God for each of us this morning. No matter how many times you have heard this very well-known verse, listen to God speak to you in your situation today. He says, have I not commanded you, be strong, be courageous, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You know we could we could just end it right there this morning, couldn't we? Yeah. Standing firm on the promises of God. We don't stand firm in our own strength, but in the mighty power of our almighty God. And Paul, he writes this powerful word, another very well-known verse And God reminds us that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, Philippians 4.13. You know, we can even rely on God to strengthen us with the right words to say in in whatever situation that we find ourselves in. And, you know, we we clearly uh, see this, that God gave this man uh, the words to speak, and we'll see a bit more in a few minutes. Even as he faced those who were against him, He stood firm in the truth of what Jesus had done in his life. Well, before I get too far ahead of myself, let's quickly review this story, this amazing story in John chapter 9. So verses 1 to 3, let's just take a look at that quickly. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sin or his parents' sin? It was not because of his sin or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. So in this exchange here, Jesus, he was not thinking about the past. He wasn't focused on the current situation even. But the disciples, rather, in their weakness, their focus was in the present And certainly in the past. But Jesus, he was looking forward, wasn't he? Forward to what the power of God could do in this man's life. Despite his circumstances. Jesus, of course, wanted to heal the man physically. But most importantly, spiritually. To give this man a new life in Christ. To give him life with real purpose. And to give him the gift of eternal life. So Jesus does something very interesting kind of strange. He spits on the ground to make mud, and he rubs it in this man's eyes. And he tells the man, now go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. And maybe someone helped him there. We don't know how he got there. But we do know is this man, he listened to Jesus. And he did exactly what he said. And John records that he came back seeing. And he was testifying. He was excited to tell his family and his neighbors, he was telling them all about what had happened to him, how he had been healed by Jesus. And he shared his story with boldness, didn't he? Telling all those around him what Jesus Christ had done for him. Now, it becomes even a little bit more interesting because you would think there would be celebration, but instead of that, instead of celebrating this miracle, these folks now Take the man to the religious elite of the day, the Pharisees. And remember, the Jewish rules were very, very strict. You were not allowed to do any sort of work on the Sabbath. And apparently, even healing was not okay. Mind-blowing. But anyway, so they begin to question the man on what has happened. And he replies to them, Well, the same as before I said, he put the mud over my eyes and when i washed it away washed it away i could see verse 16 now some of the pharisees said this man jesus he is not from god for he is working on the sabbath others said but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs so there was a deep division of opinion among these pharisees And as Pastor Andrew mentioned last Sunday, you remember these Jewish leaders, they had announced very strongly that anyone saying that Jesus, that he was the Messiah, they would expel that person. They would throw them out of the synagogue. So the people were really afraid of these Pharisees. And the Pharisees now had even gone to this man's parents to ask him, is this your son and is it true? Was this man your son? Was he born blind? You know, the Pharisees, they did not want to believe it, did they? They wanted to cast doubt on Jesus. They wanted to cast doubt on this man's story. They did not want to acknowledge that Jesus had done a healing in this man. But even in their threats, in their arrogance, even though many people feared these Pharisees and dared not do anything to make them upset, after this personal encounter with Jesus, picture this. This man, this former blind man, is now filled with extreme boldness. He knew what had happened to him, and he was overjoyed that he could see. He was so overjoyed at what Jesus had done in his life, and he was not afraid at all, not afraid of these Pharisees to tell the truth right to their face, tell his story, no matter what the outcome would be, no matter what anyone thought about him. He was not afraid to stand firm, in the truth of Jesus Christ. And really, as we look at this story, his boldness only increases from here. Well, let's continue now with the story, and let me read to you, and you can follow along in your Bibles as well, John chapter 9, and we're starting now at verse 24. And this is the New Living Translation. So it says, So the uh, second time the Pharisees called in the man who had been blind, and they told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, he is a sinner. Well, I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this, I was blind and now I can see. And then they ask him again, but what did he do? How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you already once didn't you listen to me? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you guys want to become his disciples too? And they were furious. They were furious at this man. They cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we, we are disciples of Moses. And we know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. And he replies, why? Why? That's very strange. You're the elite. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? Listen to the wisdom that this man has already received from God in his reply to these Pharisees. He says to them, you know, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and will do his will. And ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man Jesus, if he were not from God, he could not have done this. Well, the Pharisees were so, so angry. They were furious at this man. You were born a total sinner. They yelled at him in front of everybody. And are you now trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. Well, Jesus heard what had happened, and he found this man, and he asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. Well, you have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Well, yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshipped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are actually blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby, they heard him. They asked him, are you saying that we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim that you can see. Now, sadly, the ending to this story here, it's the story of our world, isn't it? It's a story of people claiming, we know the truth, there's no creator. We know better than that. God does not exist. The former governor general of Canada, maybe some of you would remember this, she made some very flippant comments at a gathering of scientists a number of years ago. And she said, why in this day and age are we still discussing if life was possibly caused by divine intervention? And she said, and how can people believe that still today? We live in such an advanced, learned society. Well, from the beginning of time, people have rejected God. The history of the Israelites turning away from God. Again, Pastor, Alan, or Pastor Andrew mentioned last Sunday, and he took us through different scenarios, different miracles that God had performed. But in the end, the Israelites kept turning away from God. And John, he writes in chapter 12, verse 37, he says, But despite all the miraculous signs that Jesus had done, most of the people still did not believe. And then in verse 42, he writes these powerful words. He says, There were those who did believe in Jesus, even including some of the Jewish leaders. But listen to this. It says they they would not admit it. They believed in Jesus, but they refused to admit it. They were afraid. It says in verse 43, For they loved human praise, more than the praise of God. And you know, nothing has changed. Solomon said, there is nothing new under the sun. Sadly, this world, it craves the praise of people. And, you know, we can easily get angry. We can get upset when we hear leaders such as this mock our faith and mock our beliefs. It, you know, it really, it did make me upset when I first read about this what the former governor general had to say, then I remembered, you know what? I am a sinner too. We all have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But the good news this morning once again is that Jesus, God's son, he is the perfect solution to our sin problem in our lives. Amen? Amen? We cannot do this on our own. Jesus did it for this blind man in John chapter 9, and he does it for us. He opens our eyes, this man's physical eyes were miraculously opened, but much, much more importantly, his spiritual eyes were opened. And this is our story, isn't it? Every one of us who calls himself or herself a child of God. Now, just a little bit about my own story. Well, I was born at a very young age. Uh, okay, some of you caught that. Charlene's rolling her eyes here in the front. I can see, but. It's true, right? Anyway, so I I was born here in Winnipeg in a Christian home, went to Calvary Temple. My family, we all attended Calvary Temple downtown. My parents served there faithfully. They weren't perfect, but they they truly strived to make sure that God was at the center of whatever that we did as a family. And I've spoken a few uh, times in the past over the years on Father's Day in particular, and I've shared a little bit about my dad, and um, he was always serving in the church. He was, sorry, uh, he was working on something or fixing something all the time. And uh, my dad, had lots, he has lots of family in the U.S. He has a cousin in Kansas City. Her name is Elaine. And her husband, my, I would call him my Uncle Royce, he was a pastor there for many years. So my Uncle Royce had started a church in Kansas City at this old church building. And when I was just a kid, um, my parents loaded up my sister and I in the car and we drove down to Kansas City. And that car was a really big old Chevrolet Caprice Classic, 1978. had a massive trunk in it. And that trunk was jam-packed with tools. So my dad was taking his vacation time, taking us down there, but taking his time to go and help my Uncle Royce and his, and his family to get this church up and running as best as he could. So he was an electrician, so he was fixing the electrical, uh, helping in whatever way he could, all, all kinds of different ways. And my mom, she was... Helping there too, helping in different ways. And she was always serving here back at home too, involved in Sunday school. She helped a lot at Calvary Temple Youth Camp. Uh, that place has a really big uh, place in my heart as well, attended there many, many years. So through those young years, God was certainly speaking to me directly through all these circumstances and all these experiences. Now, on one of our family road trips after stopping in Kansas City, we'd gone down there a few different times to visit. But on this one occasion, we continued on down the highway and drove all the way down to Dallas, Texas, uh, visit some more of my some more cousins that lived down there. And so one evening, I went with my mom and my aunt, Sonia, to a children's event at her church. And I remember it was a puppet show. I remember uh, seeing that, and God was at work even through some weird puppets that night. And God opened my spiritual eyes and I asked Jesus into my heart there. I knew God was real. I wanted to live for him. I understood that no matter how good I thought it was, I was still a sinner and I wanted God to forgive me, to help me, and that only Jesus could truly save me. Only Jesus could give me a life in heaven one day. And like this blind man, God had called me. He opened my eyes, and I knew I believed. Now, fast forward to grade 8, and I was around uh, 14 years old. And at that time, in my social studies class, we began exploring the vast array of uh, career choices that were available. Now, once again, God works in mysterious ways. So first through these puppets, and now in the midst of all these sorts of career options, Our teacher, for whatever reason, this one particular day, she decided to play us a documentary on the Campbell Soup Company. Well, this video took us behind the scenes into the Campbell Soup War Room. And the War Room was a place where all the executives would come together, the research and development team, and they would be presenting their findings of potential new products, new soup flavors, then the sales and marketing team, they would get up there and they would pitch their ideas of how to promote this now and advertise these new products and sell them. Finance team, they would be talking about the costs involved and potential revenue and all those financial pieces. And the more I watched, the more I was really taken aback how serious, how passionate these people were, how much really arguing was happening and almost fighting how much of that went into deciding how to make a can of soup. It really was a war room, and it was quite shocking to me at 14 years of age to see people yelling and arguing, almost fighting over this crazy idea of soup cans. And in the midst of that, I remember a thought really hit me deeply. Again, I know it was God in the middle of this crazy Campbell Soup video, but he chose this particular scene to continue his calling on my life. I was, you know, I was only 14, but I had some interest maybe getting into business. I really didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, start my own business or something, but I didn't really know exactly what what was going to happen. But that was kind of my interest. And as I watched this video, I was thinking, wow, I could never be that passionate about selling something like a can of soup. You know, if I'm going to do something with my life and be that passionate, I want to do it something for God. So in what seems to be kind of a strange way, Jesus using mud, God using Campbell's soup video, continue his calling on my life, it was personal. And this is an important point. It was very personal. It has to be personal, doesn't it? You know, I grew up going to church with my family and my relationship with God became real to me through these times my personal relationship with God was my own he was speaking to me through these life events working in my life in a very personal way now forgive me I hope I make it through this but my dad suddenly died when I was 23 still gets to me when I talk about it today I was sitting at the hospital just after he passed away. I had gone outside. I was sitting there with some of my friends and family. And uh, this one person, he wasn't a Christian, but he, he was there to support me. And uh, he came up and, sitting with me there for a few minutes, trying to console me and help me through this time. But, He decided to use this moment for whatever reason to say, you know, I just got to ask you, how can you believe in a God at a time like this when he would let something like this happen? You probably are, you know, second-guessing your faith right now, I would imagine. And I remember sitting there. It was obviously a very emotional time. But in spite of that, God was truly at work. I was thinking about my dad in the presence of Jesus and i thought about these words from paul in romans 5 and he says therefore since we have been made right in god's sight by faith we have peace with god because of what jesus christ our lord has done for us because of our faith christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we can confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. I remember these words, they lifted my spirit. In verse 3, Paul continues, And we can even rejoice when we run into any problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Endurance develops strength of character, And character strengthens her confident hope in salvation. And this hope, this hope that we have will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. My personal faith, Jesus, was so real to me at that moment. Even in such a difficult situation, I was able to stand firm in my belief in Christ. Stand firm in my faith. I was not shaken by these events of that day or by this person's doubt. My faith was on solid ground. The love of Christ, it does not disappoint, does it? He gave me such a strength to stand firm, and I was so blessed by it. You know, it's so sad to think in many young people's lives today in particular... They go to church and they go to college or begin to work. You know, they move out. What happens so often, sadly, is young people choose to forget. They choose to walk away from the faith that they've grown up in. And it's because it was never personal. It was never their own faith. They didn't develop habits to help build and grow their own faith in God. Their own personal relationship with Christ Jesus not getting into the word of God, maybe hanging out with people who didn't believe, didn't desire to be disciples or to be holy moment by moment. You know, I'm so thankful we have these nine habits here at Cross Church to help guide us. And if you don't know what the nine habits are or what I'm referring to this morning, please, please come speak to me after or talk to one of our staff or volunteers. You really need to know about this great tool to help equip you, to help you grow in your faith. So, young people who walk away, maybe they've never been confronted with the question, are you truly converted? Remember, Pastor Alan talked about that in the week one of this series. I was talking to my daughter, Lauren, uh, the other day, and I didn't recall this particular story before. uh, Maybe it slipped my mind, I don't know. But she was saying back in around grade 10, she got into a discussion with her teacher at school, And he had grown up in the church, but he chose to go his own way. And now he was trying to convince Lauren, you know what? You can choose your own way too. She didn't have to necessarily continue to believe what she had been taught growing up, that she didn't have to accept the faith of her parents. She could just choose to believe what she truly believed in her heart. Just follow your heart, he would say, and be like him. She could walk away from the church and just find her true self and her true beliefs. Well, what was meant to open her eyes to the truth uh, did exactly that. This encounter made her take very, very personally what she believed, what direction she was going to go into. Would she stand firm in her faith? Would she, as Jesus said in Luke nine twenty-three? Would she deny herself? Would she give up control of her life? Would she submit fully to Christ? Would she believe in him and do what he says and humbly take up her cross and follow Jesus daily? And yes, this is what she decided in her heart. Of course, I'm so proud of her for that. We have to take our faith personally. This is how we can grow and stand firm in Christ. And many of you here, I'm sure, attended Pastor Allen's classes on these nine habits back in November. And in the fourth class, he talked about habit number seven, about being discipled. If you remember it, he said a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ, and a disciple is committed to knowing God and embracing personal responsibility, taking serious for ourselves our own spiritual growth, our own knowledge of Jesus Christ, understanding and taking on the Christian beliefs, the attitudes, the values, and the habits of Christ. Being a disciple of Christ means so much more than just the transfer of information. It's so much more than feelings or experiences. Discipleship is all about imitating our teacher's life, our master's life, the life of Christ. Faith truly is believing God and doing what he says. It's about life transformation. So even seeing great signs and wonders, you know, this is not enough. In John chapter 9, it's clear that even seeing signs and wonders, this was not enough. How many were there and they witnessed Jesus healing this blind man? And yet they doubted. They feared rejection. They desired to please man more than God. And in Luke 16, Jesus has a very interesting parable about a rich man in Hades, and he's begging. He's conversing with Abraham in heaven, begging for someone to go now and share God's love with his family, his family who are still alive. This man doesn't want them to end up in torment like like he is. Abraham tells him, well, the scriptures have warned your family time and time again. Your family members can read them anytime that they want. And listen to this. The rich man replies, no, no, Father Abraham. They're not going to bother to read them. But if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will turn for their sins, surely. But Abraham replied, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, meaning if they don't bother to read the scriptures, they are not going to listen to anyone, even though someone rises from the dead. Paul writes to the Corinthians this warning. He says, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. This morning, if you know God is your Savior and he's the Lord of your life, you need to thank him today once again for saving you, for all that he has done for you. And commit once again to grow in your faith that you're going to take it personally. Don't desire the praise of people more than the praise of God. Trust him to help you stand firm in Christ. Stand firm on the promises of God. Colossians 2.7 is one of my favorite verses. Let your roots grow down into him, into Christ Jesus, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Isn't that true? Now, maybe you're here this morning and you are afraid. You're afraid of putting your life into God's hands. Maybe you're afraid of the rejection that could come from your family or from your friends. You're not sure what your life will be like if you become a Christian, if you decide to follow Jesus Christ. Maybe you struggle with giving up the life that you have right now. You know, James in the Bible, he writes, do you know what your life will be like tomorrow even? Our lives are like the morning fog. Here a little while, and then they're gone. It's unpredictable life. It's short. It's like a vapor. When Jesus was talking to Mary and Martha in John chapter 11, he says, you don't have to wait for the end. I am right now the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. You know, I encourage you, don't wait. Don't wait. Put your life into God's hands today. God says, indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation I'd be happy to speak with anyone after the message today if you want to chat more about this. Well, you know, before each gathering, before we get up here and lead in some songs, the singers and the musicians, we all gather in the back and we have a time of prayer. And we pray for all of you here. And our prayer basically every week is that it's part of an old chorus that says, so forget about yourself. Concentrate on Him and worship Him. We pray that we all can, everyone here, that we can put aside whatever is happening in our lives. We want to put aside whatever happened this morning. We want to put aside whatever happened this past week. Whatever happened in the past year, you know, good or bad. Whatever it is, we pray that as a congregation, as a family here at Cross Church, that we can set all these things aside and concentrate on him and worship the God Almighty, the Lord God Almighty. Singing together, it reminds us corporately, doesn't it, as a family, as, as God's children, that our faith is firm. It's solid. It gets our eyes back on the rock of our salvation. And just like this man in John 9 who didn't back down when confronted, we can stand strong in our faith, in our Savior, in our Lord, Jesus Christ. We have the power of God living inside of us. Another favorite verse of mine, Philippians 2.13. The Almighty God, through the Holy Spirit, He is working in us, inside of us. And His goal is to give each one of us who have submitted to Him the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Praise God for that. It's not in our own strength. We stand firm in our faith, because we know God. We have experience. We we know that it's real. And this is our story this morning, isn't it? God is at work in us and through us, and we can stand up to the enemy's attacks and the enemy's schemes. We can't get knocked off of our firm foundation, our solid rock. Matthew 7, we read the famous parable of Jesus teaching And the heading is entitled, Building on a Solid Foundation. Verse 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, Jesus says, they are wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. And though the rains may come in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds they beat against that house, it will not collapse because it is built on bedrock, solid rock. Like the old hymn says, On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. As we close this morning, be encouraged to stand strong, to keep the faith. Stand firm on the rock, your rock, your solid rock, Christ Jesus. And let the Holy Spirit speak to you through these well-known words in Ephesians 6. Maybe close your eyes as I read it to you, these words of Paul. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against mere flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, Put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy and stand firm in Christ in the time of evil. And what, again, is the armor of God? Well, the armor of God is the belt of truth. Jesus said that he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can be saved by any other means except through Jesus Christ. The breast Plate of righteousness, protection for our heart. We need to live holy moment by moment. The shoes of the gospel and God's peace. Stand firm on the good news of Jesus and the peace that he gives us. The shield of faith, our faith, our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, our story. It goes before us and defends us from doubters or anything that comes against us. The helmet of salvation. Protection in the battle of our mind. And this is really the primary place of spiritual battles. And finally, the sword of the Spirit, the word of the Almighty God. Keep it sharp for battle. Read it daily. And then Paul says, if you have the armor of God on, then, praise God, after the battle, you will stand firm in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, whether you became a Christian one day ago or 40 years ago, it's still good news for us today, isn't it? And we can stand firm on this good news day in and day out, no matter what comes our way. As believers in Christ, this truly is our story. And you know, I hope this story of the blind man has caused you, has really caused each and every one of us to remember our own stories that Jesus seeks out and wants to save those who are lost. And we can be encouraged once again that when we are saved, that we can stand firm in Christ Jesus. God is at work in us and through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. What a blessing and a great privilege it is to be counted as a member of the family of God, to be grafted into the vine, to become an heir, to be called a son, a daughter of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's all stand and let's bow our heads as I close us in prayer this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the family of God. How encouraging it is when we hear these stories and we remember our own personal stories of a sinner saved by grace. Thank you, Lord, that we can stand firm in Christ because you, through your Holy Spirit, are at work in us and through us. And may we take seriously the call to go and grow in our grace and our knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May today, this coming week, and For as long as you have us on this earth, may we desire to know you more, Lord, and make you known to a world that so desperately needs to know this great love of Jesus Christ. Help us to grow our roots deep down into you, and then after the battle, we will be standing firm in Christ. Thank you, Lord. Go with us now, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Stand firm in Christ this morning.